0: Good morning. Welcome to our radio broadcast, Driven to the Cross, with Dr. Alfred Fisher as part of Christ Covenant Church in McAllen, Texas. I'm glad you're listening today. Our text this morning is coming mainly out of the book of Haggai. Haggai is one of the minor prophets that we find in the Old Testament. One of the things to note about this is that this book took place in the 6th century B.C., or uh, for you who like academia, B.C.E. The B.C.E. is uh, defined as before common era. But one thing I want to let you know today is something of importance. During this time of trial that churches are facing, Christians, the populace around the world, we have hope. That hope rests in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today with this message because there is that hope. And it is a blessed hope. You see, one of the things about this book of Haggai is it does not just stand alone. It has other books that help correlate it. And one of those that we'll be looking at today as well is the book of Ezra. But what is important here? is that this was written during a time of captivity, a time in which people had neglected the house of the Lord, a time in which people were desperate for economic revival, spiritual revival, a rebuilding of culture and society, a reorganization, if you will, of the time in which people freely worshiped God and knew the God that they worshiped. In this book of Haggai, the prophet does something that is often very uncomfortable. And it's something that a pastor has a hard time having to do as well. Instead of reproving the negligence of individuals, far too often individuals become complacent. They become so comfortable in the way that they have started to live, that they begin to neglect the things of God because they feel that I just have to survive. I just have to go through this process and I'm just trying to exist. But I have news for you. You cannot exist outside of Christ and be blessed. In chapter 1, verse 1 of Haggai, it reads like this, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Now before I go on any further, I want you to understand the importance of what just took place right there. You see, it was not just one person who received the word of the Lord. You notice that it said, and also unto. So here you have confirmation. And we're going to go back and, and see a little bit of this confirmation in just a minute. But he says in verse 2, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be rebuilt. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai to the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. What is being called for here is a rebuilding of a temple, a rebuilding of people's spiritual lives, a rebuilding of a focus, a rebuilding, if you will, of the reordering of people's lives today there's tons of chaos about you see people focusing on the social distancing you see them worried about whether they have enough masks you see them worrying about whether we have enough but are we forgetting the work of the lord my dear friends in christ i want to encourage you on something even in this time of so-called isolation in this time of self-quarantining, of self-isolation, remember this, you are still a Christian. You are still accountable to God. You are still accountable for the things that you say, the things that you do, the things that you think and act upon. We must, as individuals, remember that we are accountable unto God. We must love our neighbors as ourselves. Ye, ye have sown much. Now this might sound familiar to you. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages, to put it into a bag with holes. What this is speaking about, dear hearer, is very simply this. If we keep our eyes focused solely upon the temporal, we will never be satisfied. If we keep our eyes solely focused upon the things of this earth, upon what we deem to be necessary, upon what we deem of importance, and neglect the things of God, we will never have enough. It doesn't matter if your closets are filled with clothes. You'll always want something more. If you have food, You're going to need more, right? But what if you don't have the money to buy more? Do you trust in God? What about your wages? Have you ever wondered why it is that you labor so hard to bring in the fruits of your labor that you can fill your house with things that you never have time to use, but you have them because you desire them, yet, yet, you neglect the things of God? Why is it that we as individuals always struggle it's not because we don't work hard well for some it may be but we must question our own priority we must question how our house is ordered how the things of our lives are ordered do we put God first do we as families as churches as individuals just go through the motions or do we simply say I need to get mine first. And if, and if I have any left over, then I might, I might give. I might serve. You know, I'm so tired from work. I don't have the time. Oh, brothers and sisters, dear friends, I assure you that we have time. We're just experts at wasting it. We are experts at doing our own accord and our own desires. We are experts at fulfilling our own wants rather than seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, dear friends in Christ, let me read this verse to you again. This is verse 6 of chapter 1 of Haggai. You have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Dear friends, only a fool would pour their money into a bag with holes. I've heard it said oftentimes that the definition of a boat is a hole in the water in which to throw money. Now, I'm not disparaging boats. Boats are great. They're fun to go out on and fish and and to enjoy the leisure time. But the application is true. It requires a lot of maintenance to do so. Our lives are often filled with things that draw our attention away from the things of Christ. Be they sports, hobbies, even sometimes seen as family. But I want to challenge you on something. Will you take and look at your life? Will you ask yourself this question? What am I engaged in that brings glory to God? Do the things in which I involve myself in bring Him glory and bring forth fruit in His kingdom? Now listen to verse 7 and verse 8 as I go on here. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You see, that is not my words. What I'm telling you is not my own idea. What I'm telling you is not what I deem to be important. But here, the God of armies, the Lord of hosts, the one who is in charge of the very might of heaven, tells the children of Israel, Consider... Your ways. Consider what it is that you find important. Is the work of the kingdom of God neglected in your life? We say, well, I, I work 40 hours a week. I'm tired. Yes, we work. And work is good. We are told that we must work. But let me ask you this. Do you minister to your family? and your friends, and to your neighbors. Can you say that I love my neighbor as myself? Am I willing to be poured out for the kingdom of God? What is important? Are you saying that you are so tired that you cannot get up in the morning and thank God for the day He has given you, that He caused you to awake from your slumber? And He has blessed you with another moment here on this earth that you can give Him glory. Thank Him for it. Now, listen to verse 8. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Verse 9, ye looked for much and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man unto his own house. Here's what that means. Here's what this represents. And it is apt for us today. We go and we seek to do what we deem to be necessary for our own house. And yet it amounts to nothing. Why? because we neglect the house of God. Now, there are those who say, oh, well, I don't have to go to church because I'm a believer and I can fellowship on my own. Oh, but dear friend, my dear friends in Christ, that does not hold you accountable. That does not cause you to grow in your faith. Rather, that is saying, I can do my own thing and worship a God I create because I'm not holding myself accountable to the very Word of God. Now listen to what comes next as to why this takes place. Why we often have disappointment because of our own lack of action for the things of God. Now remember in verse 9, I'll read it again for you just so you can remember. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man unto his own house. We have to get beyond our own selfishness. We have to get beyond our own greed. Otherwise we are barren, as we'll see in the following verse. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of their hands. When we sow into worldly labor, if money is your only goal, If self-comfort is your only goal, consider your ways. Now, I told you that I would give you some correlating verses. And I'm going to do so right now. Before we go on and finish this chapter and go back and touch over a little bit here, but I want you, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Ezra, another so-called minor prophet. And I often find that This phrase, minor prophets, is confusing. In some minds, they don't place as much emphasis upon the writing as the major prophets. Now, the reason that they are called minor prophets is not because of the lack of content or validity of the content or the importance of what is written, but it's because of the shortness, how short and concise the books attributed to them are. Now, in Ezra, starting in chapter 1, we're going to read a few verses, and I'm going to take you into a couple other chapters in Ezra as well. But it says this, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the man of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem." Now, why is this important? The temple was desolate. The temple was in ruins. And God gave to a pagan king the necessity to rebuild his house. And he's calling for something that is so important today. The remnant. If you're listening to this today, God is calling the remnant of Israel, He's calling the believer, the follower of Christ, those who are so devoted unto Christ, to take action, to stand up, to be counted, to say, I am a believer in Christ, and to show it. So many churches today are on the verge of closing. Why? Because the house of God lies desolate. The remnant of the people the faithful few, those who are willing to stand up and go to work. But did you notice something else there? Called upon their neighbors to help them with silver and with gold. In other words, to help fund that this work would take place. Now, this is not a sermon asking for money. It's not. But God uses that money of this time to bless the house that it It would be able to be paid for that he would be worshiped. Now, again, I want you to consider something. Brothers and sisters, if we are not faithful in the little things, how can we expect God to allow us to be faithful in much? Now, dear friends, What may appear little to us, helping your neighbor with food, helping that elderly person down the street get to a doctor's appointment, helping to make sure that they have what they need, helping to ensure that we as believers are that light that is not hid under a bushel. We have so many people working in the health fields right now that are desperate for supplies. And yet, we as individuals, we as individuals fail to see the needs of others because we want our needs met first. But I want to tell you something. If you are faithful in service unto God, He will be faithful unto you. You will not lack. You will not be hurting. You will be taken care of. But listen to this. This is found in chapter 3 of Ezra. And again, starting at at verse 1, I want you to, to notice that the first thing that was set up here was something that was very important for the children of Israel. They didn't first build the house. They did not first make sure that the walls were up, that the gates were completed. They did not make sure of any of that first. What they did, what they did is of paramount importance. Listen to this. And when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. That's a congregation. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Josedek, and his brother and the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of the God of Israel, to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar upon his bases, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries, and they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings, morning and evening. Now, did you catch that? The priests, the leaders of the religious worship and religious service of Israel, constructed the altar. Why? That the sacrifices may be offered. But here's something more about that. It was according to the law of God. The people did not stop their worship. The people did not cease from worshiping God, even when it says that they were afraid of the peoples around them. Now, it wasn't ridicule that they were afraid of. It was death. The Jews were not liked. They were being killed. And yet the Bible records that morning and night they worshipped God. Why? Because they loved God. Because they offered the sacrifices in accordance to the law of God. They were faithful. They pushed through the fear of death. They pushed through that fear of persecution to worship God. Now my friends, do not allow your fear of circumstances to rob you of offering a pure and holy sacrifice unto God. Do not allow circumstances to rob you from worshiping God and being obedient to God in all things. Now listen to this. They kept also the Feast of the Tabernacles as it is written, and they offered the daily burnt offerings by number, according to the custom, as the duty of every day required. And afterward offered the continual burnt offering, both of the new moons and of all the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated, and of everyone that willingly offered a free will offering unto the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. First and foremost, first and foremost, dear friends, they sought to worship God. They set out and constructed the altar of God that they would be able to do what God had required even before the temple was reconstructed. You see, that can be symbolic for us because, dear friends, as many places of worship are closed due to this COVID-19 and trying to stay in compliance with health regulations so that people stay healthy, they the children of Israel worshiped as we as individuals in this modern age, as followers of Christ, must continue to worship God. Do you offer a sacrifice of praise of a free will offering? Are you pouring yourself out to the service of God? Have you called out to God that He would provide His healing touch? His loving hand upon you, upon your family, upon your coworkers, upon your friends. But yet more importantly than that, have you stopped to pray and ask God to heal this land? Have you asked God to give wisdom to the leaders appointed in this land? That this nation would turn back to God? You see, I firmly believe this. God uses things to call repentance and revival. And I believe that God is allowing us as believers the opportunity to lead by example. I believe that He is urging us as followers of Christ to repent, to stop being like the world and be more like Christ. I believe that He is Giving us the grace to once again call upon His name and to be the follower that He has called us to be. That our nation would be healed. That we would once again be a nation walking inside the bounds of the covenant relationship that we have made with Him. That we would experience a revival. That we would experience a purging in ourselves. That we would be set right before Almighty God. Now look at what takes place here. Notice at the start of this book, it was in the first year. But in chapter 3, verse 8, it says this, Now in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month began Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Yeshua, the son of Josedek, and the remnant, and the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem and appointed the Levites from twenty years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. Dear friends, doesn't happen overnight, but what does take place is this. When you set your eyes upon the cross of Christ and continue to walk forward in accordance with the will of God, knowing that you are seeking His face, doing His work, the house can be built. The first thing, the first thing they did was to build the altar that they would once again be in obedience to God. And after they had repented and offered their sacrifices, and were set right in that light, they began to build the house of God. Dear friends, we as individuals must walk rightly before God. We must confess our sin, that He would be faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness before before the house can be built. But I want you to also key in on one word that was there. It was that of remnant. A remnant is a small piece, a fraction, just a a small little tatter, if you will. It was the faithful few. Does God count you among the faithful few? Do you sow? Do you labor? Or do you say, I do not yet have enough, so I cannot? Remember what we read back in Haggai? Let me let me reinforce this for you. In Haggai chapter 1, in verse 9, it says, You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man into his own house. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, upon all the labor of the hands. Now if we go back to verse 6, Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. And I'll close with verse 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. My dear friends, I want to invite you to consider your ways. I want to invite you to turn to God. I want to invite you to ask God to heal the land. I want to invite you to put your hand to the plow that you may work in the field where God has planted you to bring forth fruit. I want to thank you for listening today. This is Dr. Alfred Fisher with Driven to the Cross as part of Christ Covenant Church in McAllen, Texas. You can find us on the web at www.ChristCovenantMcAllen. Dot .org and hopefully when the COVD thing is over we'll see you here. May God bless you and encourage you.